How are you doing? Not good. Yeah? How's your yeah. how's your throat? My throat's okay. It's everything else that sucks. My look, eyes are really swollen. Yeah, I can tell. Uh my body hurts. <laughs> you look kind of Tim Burtony. Didn't didn't that one picture of me have Tim Burton core whatever hashtag under it? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I was wearing an Oogie Boogie thing. That's true. Yeah, you are living. You are the living embodiment. <laughs> I had to have giant eyes with dark circles under them. Yes. <laughs> well, are you ready to talk about this story? Yee. All right. Well, let's start recording. All righty. All right. Make sure this is actually working. You working? Uh, yes. I have this set on six like it was before. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, click. All Dun right. Dun did clicked it. Dun did clicked it. Dun did Ramsey Campbell did. You Ramsey did up. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we Ramsey ended up today. Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> Why are we Ramsey? What are we rumbling about? We're rumbling about the Dark Descent. Who are you? I'm Willow. And I'm Phil. And it's, it's Del, Toro Del Toro time. time. It's Del Toro, it's Del Toro time. time. Woo! Woo! We're covering The Dark Descent. Yes, The Dark Descent of David G. Hartwell, the poor man. Apparently, he's descended so far. Uh, dark. Yep, we're covering the book, The Dark Descent. This is the second book of the book <laughs> the second book of the book the dark descent called the medusa in the shield which is all about psychological horror psychological horror and we are one story away from the end now that we are that before we, we are. before we tip over into just full-blown horror we'll be yep. done with psychological stuff we'll be done with is there a creepy homeless man in the park shelter or does it even matter? And we'll be into full bore. Here's a monster. Hell yeah. What's funny is didn't this book, didn't Medusa in the shield have the, the one about the like creepy deformed spider baby that the couple yep. had in this. So like, I guess we've had some monsters. We have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've uh, just been psychologically tormented monsters as opposed to, the tormentees. Yes. You know, I mean, the tormentors. That, that monster boy did torment some people, though. I think it was a girl. That monster child, that spider boy, spider baby, whatever that it spider was. Baby. That spider baby. This this fall on They CBS. deserved it, though. Oh yeah, they were terrible parents. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't get to we don't we don't get to learn much about parents in this very short story. Yeah. A, a story so short that it was not until the second time I read it that I figured out why it was a horror story. Really? Yes. I, I, I needed to read it a second time to pick up on what actually happened in this story. Because Ramsey Campbell does not tell you anything straightforward. No. Uh, this is a story that I'm like, so where's the prequel? <laughs> <laughs> I want the prequel. I, I want to know who Macintosh Willie is. I think the prequel to this story is called The Entire History of Liverpool, England. Yeah. Uh so Ramsey Campbell, we have not covered Ramsey Campbell before. No. This is uh, our first Ramsey Campbell. Familiar, though. He is a 77-year-old author, born in 1946. He's roughly my parents' age. Uh born in Liverpool in England. He started writing when he was 12 years old and he has not 
stopped. His latest novel came out this year. He has another one in the pipes. Uh, he's written over 30 novels, like 36 novels, over 300 short stories. He's edited numerous publications, numerous collections, magazines. He was a student of August Derleth, who was a friend of H.P. Lovecraft. He started off writing Lovecraftian fiction till Derleth was like, you know what? Stop trying to set stuff in Arkham. Set stuff in England. It's where you're from. It's what you know. So he created this fictional place called the Severn Valley, this fictional city called Bridchester, England, and that was basic, based on Liverpool. He wrote in that milieu for a while. Then he dis disavowed Lovecraft wrote this whole article about what a terrible person, a horror writer Lovecraft was. Then he disavowed his disavowal. <laughs> was like, I'm sorry, I was totally wrong. He's one of the most important writers of the 20th century. Uh, but he stopped writing stories in this made-up location and started writing stories in actual Liverpool. Because he was like, you know what? Liverpool is wild enough as it is. I don't need to make this up. Mm -hmm. And so this story, Macintosh Willie... Uh, again, very short tale. Uh, it's from 1979. And right before he hit the... So he hit the 1980s running. He started just publishing novel after novel in the 80s. Especially after like getting a boost from Stephen King. He discovered Clive Barker. Uh, he was the one... Clive Barker was like, I've been writing... I've been writing... Because Clive Barker's from Liverpool. I've been writing some, some horror novels. I can't do a Liverpool accent. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> Clive Barker, who was a playwright, uh, was like, I've been writing some horror short stories. I'm, I have this collection. Would you would you read it for me and tell me if it's any good? And Ramsey Campbell was like, and that was Books of Blood. <laughs> so he wrote the original uh, intro for Books of Blood. and was like, this kid's got something. Uh, and he's still working. He's still writing. He pops up in our horror lit every once in a while on Reddit. Like if someone's like, what's Ramsey Campbell been up to? And he's like, I'm just writing me books. I just love writing me books. He doesn't Stop. talk like that. Why do you keep like rolling that. your R's? <laughs> I love writing me books. I'm from Liverpool. Uh, no, he's, uh, he's apparently like the nicest person in the world. Everyone loves him. Everyone thinks he's great. He's jolly. He's a raconteur. He loves talking about himself. He loves talking about horror. Uh, and, uh, we love talking about Willie. Macintosh Willie. Only, only video watchers will get to see the face that I just made there. <laughs> the eye rolling is strong with this one. <laughs> so, uh, what, what, I mean, this story is so short. It's so breezy. What's it about? The story is about, I can't remember what our main character's name is. <laughs> Our main does he have a name? He, our main character, uh, yes, he does not go unnamed, um, I believe. But let's move on, and I will find the name while you tell uh, what this story is about. So we're, our story is about, uh, well, it's from the point of view of a like, preteen slash teenage boy mm -hmm. um, who lives in Liverpool, I believe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, it's, it's uh, definitely Liverpool. On the main street, not any of the side streets, because he has no friends. <laughs> right. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't live, live on the main street because he has, because no, he has friends, no friends. But he has no friends because he lives on main street. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, and it doesn't allow him to, like, play in the alleys and stuff like the yeah. other kids do. But uh, there's this old, like, pool, like, house. Pool in general. Pool shelter. <laughs> Uh -huh. I was kind of confused by what it was for most of the story. Don't worry. I will clear it up for you when you're done giving the um, the thing. 
that all the kids uh, are, like, afraid of because there's a homeless guy that lives there who, like, chases them off, like, around yeah. if they approach the thing at night. Um, and they he, see he's him. not he's not violent or anything. No, he just, like, sends them off. Yeah. Because they're annoying-ass kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they see him as some sort of, like, monster because uh, they're a bunch of kids who don't have their brains developed and haven't developed them <laughs> right. yet um and one day as our main character is doing errands for his parents uh he glint gl- takes a he takes a glance at the pool area and he sees macintosh willie which is what the kids call him is dead yeah and runs home and is like hey there's a dead body and his dad's like why don't you go tell the police if there's a dead body and he's like, <laughs> right. okay i guess i'll go do that <laughs> And he goes to do that, and the police are like, what do you mean, kid? He's like, there's a dead body. Yeah. So they go, and the police are like, oh, there's a dead body, kid. You better leave. Yeah. Uh, And apparently somebody's replaced or put coins over Willie's eyes, and they're like, this is effed up. Right, (laughs) right. Uh, They put coins over his eyes. We'll talk about a little bit in a bit about what also might have happened to the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because we're also getting it from the perspective of this kid who's just sort of reminiscing about this event. So yeah. is that the end of the story? Find no. a dead body? Uh, that's like the very beginning of the story. Um, eventually he like, gets a little older and he gets a group of friends because his dad, is it Mike? Yeah. His dad hires a boy named Mike. Mark. Mark. It starts with an M, ends with a K. Mm-hmm. Could be milk. Could be milk. Uh, hires this kid named Mark. Uh, they become friends. Mark's like the. Mark is the ideas man of the friend group, uh, the one who like suggests all their activities. But he refuses to go to the park, and one of the other boys, Ben, who is the sort of, quote leader of the group, gets jealous of Mark's brain. I guess Char- charisma. charisma. <laughs> yeah, uh, and is like, let's go to the park, and they're yeah. all like, okay. Uh, Mark freaks out. But he, he, like, he doesn't freak out. He freaks out in the way that he's still doing the dare. Because he gets yeah. scared to go to the, the shelter. He's still doing the dare, but he d- clearly doesn't want to. So our main character ends that whole thing. I can't remember how. Yeah, he's just like, Mark goes into the shelter, and he comes out, and he looks a little, like, he's like, uh. And then our narrator is like, come on, come on out. We're done. We're done with yep. this. Like, that's it. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah. There's some girl drama that happens. A little bit of girl drama. Uh, then just skipping through all of that because it's unnecessary to go super in-depth with. Uh, just teenage girl stuff. Um, Mark and our main character go to the fair. They go to the fair because he puts the moves on his girlfriend, but he gets they, they're by the shelter where Willie mm-hmm. died when he's putting the moves on her. And, and she it just, gets freaked out. Yeah, and he's like, come on, give me, give us a kiss. And she's like, no. screw you. I'm never going to speak to you again. And they just have like a, a teenage yeah. like spat. And she's like, I'm never going to talk to you again. And he was supposed to go to the fair with her. Yeah. And so he ends up going with his friend Mark. They meet another couple of girls. Yeah. <laughs> Carol and Carol and? L something. Laura. L- Lana, Laura, Lana, Lana? Luna. Thanks, Lana. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Lorna. 
Lorna. Carol and Lorna. I was I said Laura, I said Lana. You mix those two together. <laughs> you get Lorna. <laughs> yep. Uh they meet and they're gonna go meet him at the cinema. Uh mm-hmm. and when they show up the girls aren't there. Uh but there's a note that's like, Meet us at the shelter. And Mark is like, I know where that is. He <laughs> goes somewhere else. <laughs> avoiding he goes to- First of all, there's a, not a note that says, meet us at the shelter. Scratched Ill, yeah. illiterately on the ground in like chalk is, Mark, see you at shelter. Yeah. I did describe that more whimsically than it was. Yes. <laughs> it's clearly not written by the girls, but yeah. they go anyway. And Mark is like, they probably mean this other shelter far away. <laughs> he keeps deliberately avoiding the one shelter they know it is. Yeah. And our main character's like, my dude, yeah. my guy. Let's just go. I don't understand. I guess they're like 13 year old boys. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, they go, and the girls are there, aren't they? Yeah, but they're acting weird. They're like waving from a distance. There's, yeah. it's, it's clear they didn't write the note. Yeah. Um, they go in, and everything goes bad. Like yeah. something happens. Mark starts freaking out, falls into the pool, and then drowns. Mm-hmm. There's like a bag or something on his face. Mm-hmm. Our hero is like tries to save him, and He's the like girls trying are trying to call to the girls for help, but the girls are like, "It's three feet of water. He can't drown." Yeah, uh, something's holding him down. He pulls him off. Something's stuck to his face. It's like an old bag or something, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of it. I mean, plot wise. Yeah, he's, I mean, he says the, the the girls freak out. There is a B word thrown at one of the girls during this. Right, because he's trying to get them to, like... Help. Help him pull his friend out of the drowning water. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and he just says that he saw two discs glaring at him from the darkness beside the bench. And that when he runs off, uh, he had to put up his hands instinctively to protect his eyes. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, the that's... police also don't like him after this. But the poli- you don't you get the feeling the police aren't going to like him in any case. Yeah. Cuz it's the police and it's Liverpool and mm-hmm. they probably have very little patience for any children at all ever. Yep. Now yep. that's that's essentially the story. It may not even be supernatural. Yeah. Uh at all. Uh because a lot of this could just be in his head. Now well, you had Yes. There is the whole radio thing. <laughs> Right, but it's also only our narrator reports hearing it. True. So, well, only our narrator reports any of this, because he's the only point of view we have. <laughs> now, you had said that you weren't really clear on how the pool worked, like what this was, how this was all set and taking place. Yeah. And now I'm going to let you know something. Okay. Um, I've done my research. Oh, boy. So this is part of Liverpool. Uh-huh. The story takes place in... Newsham Park. Yep. Right here. You're looking right at Newsham Park. Uh, the boy lives the main road. That's not, that's KFC. <laughs> the boy lives on this road. This is the main road. Now, back okay. in the 70s, it was a little narrower, but this is the road he lives on. Uh, and here's the triangle where the girls waited. Is that the fish and chips store that the other girl lives at? Where? The place uh, that prob- says fish and chips. Probably not because it's no. a Chinese takeout, but it may be, it may used to have been there because yeah. 
the True Market, Truebrook, Tubrook is like the area of Liverpool where this is set. Mm-hmm. This market used to be the police station, which okay. is the, the concrete police station that he runs past. Uh, this is Orphan Drive. There's the hospital he goes past. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the lake, and this is the pool. The uh, so there's a giant lake. Yeah. With a with an island in it, a couple of islands where the ducks are, and just south of that is this shallow, but it's big, like mm-hmm. pond. So they call this a pool, but it's really like a a big pond. Uh, and so, and you can see like they talk about how there's uh, concrete built around it, like a walkway, yeah. and that's that was built here. Uh, do not think I did not go through municipal maps from the 1950s <laughs> and 1800s to figure out how this area was developed. He goes through the allotments at one point. Here's the allotments. That's mm-hmm. a community garden. And here's the most fascinating thing <laughs> to All me. Right. His parents own a newsstand, basically, right. uh, uh, a news agents. So just like a, a bodega. And they carry a bunch of independent newspapers his father doesn't necessarily subscribe to all the like more liberal stuff but they believe in uh the free press mm-hmm. and so his father's always supported the liver the independent newspapers and it says uh they carry the tubrook bugle and the liverpool free press now the tubrook bugle was started in tubrook it was the first i believe independent paper in this part, in like England, that was started by uh, Christy Mayher, who is mm-hmm. named in this story as the editor he has to go visit. Mm-hmm. Started by her as a as a way of bringing news in plain English to the population, mm-hmm. because until before then, newspaper stories all had to be written in this sort of like approved speak. Yeah. And it, they weren't written in plain English. She wrote news stories in plain English. That was a huge deal. And then uh, the Liverpool Pool Free Press followed up right afterwards. Now she lived. He says he goes to he goes to has to go to her place. She lived on Pringle Street, is what he says. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to find this house, but Pringle Street doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, Pringle Street used to be <laughs> right between this offshoot of new road and sutton it ran across here but this whole area has been developed yeah i found documentaries about this woman (laughs) i found documentaries about this neighborhood and i found documentaries about like the inhabitants of this one like people talking about pringle street if you search for pringle street there are people trying to find remnants reminiscing about pringle street it was just like a, a half a block long yeah but it made this huge difference in Liverpool. It was like a huge part of their cult of like this area's culture in Tubrook. Uh, uh, Newsham Park is like a huge. I mean, it's a beautiful park. I mean, look at it. It's enormous. Uh, and then the cinema they were going to was used to be located right here mm-hmm. uh, at the corner of Derby Road and Green Lane. The building stood there until just a few years ago. I found on Google Maps, but. It had been closed for years. They kept trying to revitalize it, but it was this beautiful old cinema. Yeah. Uh, now it's nothing. It's an empty, dead lot, and they're gonna like put like I think at condos there or something. Uh, but that's that's a little Liverpool history for you. But this story is so exact. The only thing I could not find 
is where Macintosh Willie's shelter actually was located. Mm-hmm. Only because they just there's it's not on any of the map like the shelters aren't clear on any of the maps, but I think it might have been on the north end of the pond. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so if you're reading these stories, you can actually follow the protagonists through. I mean, I did that. I read this and I followed it with Google Street View <laughs> just to like see what it was like, like running past the news agents, running past the police station. Oh, there's the giant. Like, and it would be like creepy at night in the 70s, like going mm-hmm. through all this. Um, so what happened to Mr. Macintosh Willie? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure Mark killed him. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the big question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of insinuation, but no one ever admits anything. Well, yeah, that's how crime like, works usually. <laughs> but like, so you're not really sure. All you know is the body has been, uh, what's it called? Not disfigured, but tampered with. It's been tampered. Yeah. So they the police find the body of who's called Macintosh Willie. That's not his name. No. His there's the reason he's called that is because there's people think that his name is written in the shelter, but really it's three separate names. Mac, yeah. Toss, and Tosh. Willie. Yeah. Tosh. I thought it was a T O S S, but No, it's just Tosh. Yeah. You know. Mac the Tosh name, and Willie. Like Tosh point oh. Uh <laughs> you you don't get that reference because you were born in two thousand one. Um Macintosh Willie, yeah, Macintosh Willie, inspired by a time that uh, uh, the author, Ramsey Campbell, was in Newsham Park and saw Mac, Tosh, and Willie written in a shelter and thought it said Macintosh Willie. And he was like, well, that's creepy. Wonder who that guy would be. Uh, he also saw footprints in cement yeah. leading from a shelter, I believe, and was like, that's creepy. I wonder what that story would be. That is um, fair. So that is when, how you that is how you environmental storytelling. Yep. <laughs> so the police show up when they find the body. They're like, oh, my God. And all you hear is they're like, did you, they, they turn to our narrator and they're like, did you put coins on his eyes? The kid's like, no. But the kid can't really get the police are standing in front of the body. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I can't believe somebody would do something like this. And I'm like, putting coins on the like putting coins on the eyes doesn't sound like that big of a desecration. In fact, it's kind of a thing you do with dead bodies. You know, in some cultures, yeah. So I was like, I'm I I wonder if if it's implying that more happened oh, to yeah. the body yeah. than just that. I figured. Because later on, so they so you know that something's going on with Mark. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy, but he's nervous, he's jittery. And twice, once the narrator asks him what it, what happened with Macintosh Willie, and he won't talk about it. Then the other time, Ben insinuates that Mark did something to Macintosh well, Willie. Well, the first time, I think it's Ben who insinuates Mark did something. The second time, the narrator says, what did you do to Macintosh Willie? That's right. And That's right. He won't get, like, Mark won't answer him. But I don't know if he actually did something to Macintosh Willie or if he just did something to the body. Yeah. Like, like if they he found the body... Because he, he was really scared of Macintosh Willie. Right. They mentioned for, that. Yeah, because like, for some reason, there was something going on between the two of them. Yeah. Like, Mark specifically. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what. Well, we get a few... 
maybe hints. Because mm-hmm. uh, Mark always walks around with his transistor radio so they can listen to the latest Beatles records. Oh, the Beatles are on the radio again. I brought me, I brought me, uh, me transistor radio so we can listen to John and Paul and George and Ringo, the Liverpoolian lads. I've been working on it. I've been working on my Liverpool accent. Uh, how does it? Great. I've never heard somebody from Liverpool actually speak, so I can't. <laughs> yes, you have. You just don't realize it because they don't sound awful like I do. Um, no, he carries this transistor radio. And as you as you mentioned earlier, every once in a while, the radio will just start talking. like talking. But like after my. The Ghost Files uh, with Shane and Ryan. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Is this a TikTok thing? No. Is this a Snapchat? No. It's a... Never mind. <laughs> Is it a YouTube? Uh, yes. Yes. I don't know. It's come, it comes from uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Oh, okay. The people who did those made their own sort of like production company and are doing... I love that like historically speaking, you're the only person in the world who... <laughs> frequently references buzzfeed unsolved you're like my point of reference for this is BuzzFeed Unsolved. like everyone else in the world is like i read this book i listened to this podcast i saw this youtube documentary you're like nope it begins and ends at buzzfeed unsolved i love buzzfeed unsolved i know it's great i am it's not a criticism it's just i find it fascinating um new graffiti appears in macintosh willie's old shelter um do the bastard Bottle up his eyes, hook them out, push his head in, and uh, then uh, the words Mac, Tosh, and Willie. So there's this implication that somebody took out his eyes. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that when he, when people sort of, when the narrator sort of sees what he thinks is Willie or something, he can frequently not see a person, but he sees a gleam. That he refers to as bottle caps. Like it looks like instead of eyes, it's two bottle caps reflected back mm-hmm. at him. Implying that there's some sort of entity with metal replacing the eyes. Uh, so and we have the feeling that someone ripped out his eyes, maybe. Yeah. Plus the word Popeye appears every once in a while. and That's when uh, he's with the girl. Yep. Uh, and Kim he, and he, is her name. Kim, the beautiful Kim. And he freaks out. And can't and won't and she won't kiss him. Uh, uh, I I as well mm-hmm. keeps appearing, which he hears as I I rather than A I A Y E A Y E. Right. Uh, and then when Mark is going up to the shelter, at one point he doesn't have his radio on himself, mm-hmm. but our our narrator hears the radio. Yeah. And it's saying, uh, oh, he says, come on, Mark, let's go and skate. That's how he gets Mark away from it. Uh, I love the fact that you can uh, pull yourself, pull a friend away from a bad situation by suggesting they go and skate with you. Well, the skate park's right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But it says he hears the sound of the radio and it forms the words, come on, son, let's have a look at you, which is a creepy thing to say to a child. And, and to anyone, really. It makes me wonder if Macintosh Willie or someone in the area at least was inappropriate towards Mark. Yeah. Uh, and that caused Mark to be afraid of the area. It's vague, and that's like the only hints mm-hmm. we get. 
I mean, something happened. Right. You assume. Yeah. Like, but again, uh, Campbell doesn't spell any of this out. He just sort of leaves it all up to... Our narrator is as freaked out about growing up as he is about, like, the scary park at times. Mm -hmm. Like, he's willing to brave the terrible shelter in order to hook up with Lorna. So... Nope. With Carol. With Carol. Uh, it doesn't really matter in the end there. All I know, all I remember about them is one is described as bosomy. And older than she looks so older it, than she is. Yeah, appears older than she is. But that's it. Uh, uh, and he's clearly doing okay now because this, this is told in, you know, the past. This is something that happened to him when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's fascinating to me about this story is the fact that when I first the first time I read it, I was like, I don't get, I don't get what happened at all, and I had to go back and reread it. I think because my eyes like skimmed over one or two parts, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, oh, geez, I just totally missed this one sentence that mentioned this and that. Like, there's so much implied in one little statement. It's a very economic story. It's a good story to write a paper about. Yeah. Uh, and it's a and it's in a weird place. Campbell was writing. He there's this style of horror writing from like the 70s and early 80s, especially. That's like. It's it's like the real horror is remembering how bad your childhood was, and you're like, I, this story is very long, and all you've done is like had a guy go on a creepy merry-go-round and remember being afraid of the dark when he was a kid. And uh, and that's literally one of Ramsey Campbell's stories, the companion. Um, and he like he goes on a merry-go-round, and then he's like, "My parents wouldn't let me have a nightlight," <laughs> and I guess this is scary, but I'm not really sold on it. And there's this whole like breed of psychological horror from that era that frequently leaves me feeling a little cold. I'm like, okay, I get why it's horrific, but also like, where's the goblins? Um, <laughs> This story, however, works for me. Yeah. Uh, because there's like this weird guilt associated with it. Mm-hmm. And just like it's about like this community, but also the homeless people in the community, like and the way they're treated and dismissed. I don't know. It's at all. But also it has this like uh, M.R. James-esque ending with this weird. Is it a ghost? It's like a plastic bag this that like. story to me while I was reading it felt like it could come straight out of dairy. Mm, yeah, it's a very yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's about the horrors of a of a town. Like mm-hmm. but, and it plays into those fears you have when you're a kid. Like you're yeah. walking through the forest or you're walking through a park at night and there's a shelter over there and it's dark and there might be a drunk in it. I mean, I remember even when I was a kid when like Augie and I would like stay out until it was like dark outside. Like even walking through the neighborhood was yeah, like ooh spooky. Yeah, there was a woods by my parents' house, my parents' current house. And when I was in high school, I mean, I moved there in high school, and I remember walking. There's no woods there now; it's all development. <laughs> yeah. But when I we, they first moved there, a lot of the area was just woods, and I remember walking past those woods at like midnight to like get to a friend's house, uh, and. Being genuinely creeped out by not being able to see I would still be creeped them. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, woods are creepy. Darkness is creepy. Mm-hmm. A giant empty park is creepy. Yeah. Uh, and this is Liverpool. This is Liverpool. 
So there's a there's a serious at this point there's still a serious economic depression there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's not like, I mean Liverpool at once upon a time was considered like the shining jewel of England, and it is still. If you look at it, like you look at pictures of it, look at stuff like the sites there, it's a beautiful town. Like it's gorgeous. There's some amazing architecture. It's just a beautiful place. It's right there on the water. Ah, Liverpool, we love you. Long may you reign. I don't have anything else to say about Liverpool. Uh, but it's cre- he does a good job of making it creepy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that thing where... I mean, I love urban horror. Mm-hmm. It's... I... Mostly because I live in a city, so I, I don't... When I read, like, horror set in the woods, it's not... It doesn't hit at home as much for me. Right. But urban horror is like, all right, rock on. Yeah, like the whimper of whipped dogs. That's a less rock on story. <laughs> yeah, this story also isn't that like sort of like pissy indictment of the reader the way like Ellison's mm-hmm. story is. Yeah. This is like it's just kind of sad and scary and a kid dies this, in the end. This story I think does the bystander effect better. Mm, mm. With the two girls. Yeah. Like, like, they don't do anything to help because they're like, nothing's going to happen. Right. Because he can't drown. It's only three feet of water. Like, that, that is the real, like, not understanding the threat rather than assuming everyone else is, like, I don't know. I just felt like that is a more real example. Well, and it's also that thing, like, he just comes stumbling out of the of the shelter and just falls in the water and they're like what's going on like what huh yeah uh and i mean and it happens so fast mm-hmm. uh it says uh i know i saw mark at the shelter he stood just within confronting darkness before i could discern whether anyone else was there mark staggered out blindly hands covering his face and collapsed into the pool did yeah. he drag something with him Certainly by the time I reached the margin of the light, he appeared to be tangled in something and to be struggling feebly. Uh, and it like it just says that there's like a he- like a, 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 a heap of litter in the pool. And it says mm-hmm. in the, the heap nearest Mark's face was a pale ragged patch in which gleamed two round objects, bottle caps. And that's it. Like it just looks like a pile of garbage. Yeah. And then when the police come, of course, there's no one there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This This is what the whimper of whipped dogs wish it could be. Yeah, because it's not Campbell isn't like really also really blaming anyone. Yeah, it's just this sort of sad thing that happened to these kids, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, then it then it ends, and you're sort of left with this hollow feeling inside. I really liked this story. I did too. No, I I enjoy like I you know, I'm gonna be honest. First time I read it, I was like, eh. But I was like, well, I better like do a little more reading just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And then I was like, holy crap. <laughs> this is a really good story. Yeah, I really like this story. It's rock on. I want to read more of his stuff now. Well, you're in luck because the, he has over 300 short stories. Damn. Um, I have a collection that has his juvenilia in it mm-hmm. that has like the stuff he he wrote like. 12 or 13 stories when he was like a teenager. Like, I'm talking like 
13 years old. Nice. And he tried to get them published. And they were like, thanks, kid. You have talent, but keep working on it. And so mm-hmm. he didn't get anything published until I think he wrote like a – he finished, a, I think, a Robert Howard story for Arkham and got that published. When he was like a kid. Like he was still a kid. Uh, and he his first collection was published when he was like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So like, like, well, let's start collecting my work. Uh, but – he has this juvenilia, these, these stories he wrote when he was a little kid, and they finally published them in the 1980s, uh, maybe in the 90s, in a, in a, a Lovecraft collection. And I've read them. I've read the like I've read I've read them, and they are along the lines of <laughs> like Jack and like with a kid who has a good command of the language. Like mm-hmm. you can tell he's a good writer. But it's like, Steve and Joni moved into a house. Upstairs was a trunk. I don't like that trunk, said Steve. (laughs) That night, they heard a noise in the attic, and Steve went upstairs, but he didn't come down. Then Joni went upstairs, and she didn't come down. When they rented out the flat again, someone found the trunk and a skeleton. Yeah. And it's like that, or like, I went to lunch, and a guy sat down next to me and was like, May I may I have this seat? And I said, certainly. I thought you were going to say, may and, I have the sandwich? <laughs> and then he got up and left. And I asked the waiter, what was that gentleman's name? And the waiter said, but you've been here alone the whole time. Like, there's stories <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, a kid would come up with. And like, it's like, it's this like is scary awesome. stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Except with a good command of language. Like, you read this, and you're like, wow, this kid is really talented. So, funny stuff. Uh, it didn't necessarily send a chill up my spine, but, uh, but he actually went back to the Lovecraft stuff in the early 2000s. And then in the 2000 teens, he published three novels to sort of finish up his Severn Valley series to be mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to put a cap on this. <laughs> All right. Three novels worth publish them one after the other, just to sort of That's finish a, things a up. Thick cap. <laughs> But he's contributed, like, as far as, like, the Lovecraft, the the Cthulhu mythos goes, he's contributed monsters and locations that are now just used in mm-hmm. the the mythos. They're just, he, they're accepted. He's had books of authors who've written, like, tributes to his works. Like, he's just, he's a big, he's a big deal. <laughs> we like Campbell. If you want to yeah. borrow one of his books, I have several collections of his short stories. I might do that. He's fun. I, and it's yeah. a lot of urban horror. Just stuff and a lot of like weird urban horror like some of it's like i was walking down the street and what are those bells bells the end <laughs> like it's some of it's that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. but he's written over 300 short stories not everyone's gonna be like the monkey <laughs> i'm working on my own horror short story right now what's it called i haven't named it yet what podcasting you- with dad yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah. So he Ramsey Campbell. Three movies have been based on his work, mm-hmm. uh, and they are all Spanish films. It's really weird. Oh. Three Spanish films based on his work. I've just I'm just like I don't understand why. Why nobody like wants to, like, adapt his work. He's written so much. Yeah. This would be uh, a really good short film. <laughs> Balagueros, the Nameless, uh, in a Spanish film. Uh, Paco Plaza's second name, 
Spanish film based on his novel, The Pack of the Fathers. And then Denis Rovira Van Bocolt's The Influence, Spanish film based on the novel of the same name. Uh, and then The Nameless, a TV series based on The Nameless is in development uh, by the Spanish filmmaker who uh, did uh, the, 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 uh, the original film. So, yeah. you know, and, oh, and that film was done by the guy who did the Rex series. So probably oh, pretty scary. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just I find it funny that more people haven't jumped on this guy's impressive body of work. What can you do? Oh, he also wrote like the novelizations of Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula's Daughter and the Wolfman in the 1970s when like they were like, let's adapt all the classic universal films into novels. Uh, yeah, he's just done a bunch. Solid guy. So his first novel is called The Doll Who Ate His Mother. Solid guy. <laughs> yep. uh, he has a novel called The Parasite. In 1980, that was published in the U.S. as To Wake the Dead and has a different ending. So I don't know. I'm going to have to, like, go through this guy's work. Like, his, I've never read his novels. So I guess that's my next step along the way. Ramsey Campbell, if you're listening to this, thank I'm you. So you sorry. You are like a horror Santa Claus. Horror Santa Claus. In the sense that you give us gifts every year. Every year. Um, any more thoughts on Macintosh Willie? It was a good story. I really liked it. I might read it again, mm-hmm. which is the highest praise coming from me because I don't think I've ever read a single one of these stories twice. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know what it needed, though? It needed Macintosh Willie to be dispelled by seeing the ghost of George Washington come out of a quarter. You know what? You're right. I have read that story twice. I've read that story more than twice. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. Well, speaking of let's read a story twice. What is the next and final story in the Medusa in the Shield? Is it truly the final story? In the Medusa in the Shield? It is, isn't it? Uh, Henry James's The Jolly Corner. The Jolly Corner by Henry James himself, hey, the author of our favorite Henry story, James. The, the Turn Not of the Screw. For this show, though. <laughs> you what? Not for this show, though. We haven't read some Henry James. No. did You re- you read The Turn of the Screw, I did, though. yeah. We also yeah. went to go see The Turn of the Screw. And we talked about the turn of the screw. Mm-hmm. We discussed uh, the uh, the innocence. Yes. So we've discussed Henry James, or as as I call him, Jenry Hames. I was gonna say Jimmy Hank. <laughs> we've discussed old Jimmy Hank uh, on the show before, but we will be discussing him in depth with a story I've never read: The Jolly Corner from 1908. According uh, to uh, our good friend uh, Hartwell, it's his finest ghost story in the short story form. Also, according to ISFDB, it is a novelette. A novelette, like Three Days by Tanith Lee. So maybe it'll be as good as Three Days. It's only 22 and, pages long. Uh-huh. Is that a long novelette? If you, make the, if you make the... the typeface small enough it can be one page long that's true of any story (laughs) that's true you know that shirt that has the entire b movie script on it right right anything's a novelette (laughs) if you go off page number yep um so uh any other things you want our audience to know any movies they should watch or books they should be reading 
I mean, the... What's the sci-fi series I'm reading right now? The the Becky Chambers one? Yeah, read Small that. Small Angry Planet? Yeah. Read yes! That. Highly uh, recommended from many people. I mean, like I said, I'm working on my own horror short story right now. Will so you I let can... us know when it comes out? It's never. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you guys know when I finish it. I've been reading uh, the manga PTSD Radio. Yeah. Which is horrifying. <laughs> Who would have thought that a manga with the name PTSD Radio would be horrifying? It's very scary and uh, very, very upsetting. So hopefully I'll, I'll still be into reading horror when I'm done with that. Cause it's... Where are you reading it? Uh, check it. I checked it out. Checked it out. Checked it out. We Maybe. have a very good library. Maybe I will as PTSD Radio. It's like five or six volumes. It seems like it's a bunch of random short stories until you realize that they're all connected. Yeah, and then it's and then it just gets and then it just gets more and more and more and more disturbing. Uh, so yeah, that's my rec. So uh, join us next time for Jimmy Hank, the Jolly Corner. Uh, until then, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's Del Toro time.